What is going on, everybody? My name is Chris Karui, and you are listening to episode 11 of the Youth Descending Podcast. Now, I know I've been quite absent these last few weeks, whether it be on Instagram or interviews. School just really made it difficult for me to balance both, and as a result, I've been kind of lacking in keeping up with what's been going on recently in the music scenes. So this week, although I don't have much news to report, I do have a very special guest for the interview. She is a singer-songwriter based out of Vancouver, Canada, and we are interviewing her fresh off of her latest release titled Peace of Mind. So before we get to this interview, I just wanted to give you guys a little taste of her music, just so you understand why I'm so excited to chat with her. So here is Peace of Mind by Reve. just music that's just undeniably good like doesn't matter where you play it it is right away after listening to that you listen to what like 30 seconds and i mean if you're not already a fan then hopefully this interview will change that so i mean without further ado here is reve everybody sure um, so where do you think this song ranks like in comparison to like the rest of your discography? I have to rank it. It's I feel like it's different than all the other stuff that I've kind of put out. I think that this being like the first official release of 2021, I mm-hmm. think it was important to really just um let everybody know that. I'm going to have whatever sound I want to every time I release. It's not like you can expect a sound from Reve. And that's why it's so hard for me to like rank it because it's like, it's so different yeah. from like everything else that we've done. It's very nostalgic, very 90s R&B, which is something like I don't even listen to in my free time. So it's it's hard for me to rank it. Where would you yeah. rank it? I mean, like it's. I would agree with you. It it is just like yeah. it, it feels like this is the start of almost like a new chapter. Like we'll get into it later, yeah. but like I mean, like die one day. Obviously, I felt like it was there was a big storyline in there, and it felt after like it finished, it was almost like the end of an era. Mm-hmm. And so this is like to me, mm-hmm. it feels like this is like the start of the new Reve. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Just the way that the visuals went and everything really playing off of uh, like the dreamy aesthetic because like Reve means mm-hmm. dream in French. And so like making sure like everything aligned. So I guess overall as like a whole release, I would probably put this in like my top five, I guess, overall. Yeah, mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. first I kind of just want to just to establish a bit of a background, like um, I'm kind of curious about how you got into music in the first place. Well, I was just kind of like surrounded by music, like my entire life. So I'm like, my dad was very into whatever he was listening into like the eighties, nineties and like early two thousands. So when I was born, like there was just like this whole library of music of what he kind of put together while he was growing up that I could like go into and, and listen to. 
And I think that really just something clicked in me from like a very early age that this is my thing. And uh, as mm-hmm. I got older, I just honed into it and I went into like singing lessons and all that kind of stuff and was always experimenting with kind of what's been done. So it was like taking covers and kind of making them my own. And I think at that point, I was just really a singer. And then I was like uh, in grade 12, like the end of grade 12, I was kind of like, like the questions were coming up, like, what do you want to do with your life and this and that? And I was like, okay, I'll go to school. But then like something inside of me was just like, something doesn't feel right by just going to school or like getting a job. Like there's something that I love. And it's like, why am I not saying like, this is what I want to do forever. And at that time, I didn't even know Vancouver had an industry for music. So I was like, the internet, that's my, that's my option. So it was like me searching for beats on YouTube. And like downloading them like legally, basically, and not even like buying them because I didn't even know how to like release and like sign it and like understanding all that kind of stuff. And it was just like me recording my first song and like dropping it, like not even taking a chance to write another song. So it was like me recording my first song on like my Apple headphones through like the microphone and like the YouTube beat and dropping it on SoundCloud at the end of like high school. And it was just crazy to see that I was starting this new version of myself, like really stepping into like what I love to do. And that was like the start of becoming an artist because up until that point, like I always sang, like that was basically my second nature, but it was like turning into an artist was such a huge deal for me, especially mm-hmm. at that time of my life. Yeah. Yeah, because I could imagine yeah. like being in high school and everybody's kind of going off to university and doing doing go out, pursuing other ventures, but to kind of make that step or make that decision, like I'm going to be an artist. Like I feel like you probably yeah. had quite a few people maybe doubting you early on. So like, how did you kind of navigate that? I mean, like we live in meme culture. We live in a SoundCloud, like it was SoundCloud era, like 2018, 2019, like everybody mm-hmm. was blowing up and it was just like in me. And like, I was like, I've never had to trust myself more because I think that I knew my talent and those type of songs that I was making at the time, obviously like the mixes were shit because I didn't even know what a mix was. And I was mm-hmm. recording off of like headphones and it was like, people thought it was terrible. And I got absolutely blasted for that. And people were, it's like, quote unquote bullying but it was like okay majority of people who are listening don't like it but the people that I don't know who are reaching out to me and being like you really got something here it stuck with me and I just like focused on like three people who did fuck with it and I was like you know what like this isn't really my music but this is what I have to do to get to the point of like figuring out what kind of music I do want to make so -hmm. then I I just kept going I was like I don't really care if people are going to shit on me for this because I know that I just need more time to figure it out. So then I was like, I'm going to make an EP. So on that EP, I don't know if you remember it. It's called Consinity. We yeah, just so, took it down recently. Yeah, that, that was one thing yeah. that I was, I was confused about because when yeah. I was reading up on you, like people, I think there was a few articles and they said that Consinity was your first project or first single and from what I found, it was gotta have it. And um, I think there was one called over it on SoundCloud. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, the continuity EP, like what, I guess if you, I, cause I haven't listened to it. So if you wanted to describe it a little bit. It was interesting because I, I really feel like that's where my start as an artist began. 
And it was me digging through YouTube again, not knowing that Vancouver had an industry and me writing all these songs in kind of different genres to understand and really putting my all into it, not doing like kind of like a hip hop or like a rap song because that's what's like popping off at the time. This is like, I'm going to sing the way that I want to because that's where my strengths are and that's where I feel the most comfortable. And um, like the biggest song off of that was solo and the beat selection for that was just so unique. Like I've never heard something like that before. And like my cadence on that was just completely different. And I was so proud of it. And I just decided to put it out. I was like, this is happening. I'm going to put it out. I had no idea how like streaming services really work from like an artist and like, how yeah. do I upload? How long do I have to wait before it like shows up on Spotify? So I guess I just like uploaded it without knowing that it takes like four weeks to upload so i was like oh maybe there's like a process where they have to like choose if you want it to like come they have to choose if it like it's good enough to be like on spotify or whatever yeah. and then one day randomly somebody's like dude like your music is out like on spotify and i was like what the hell and i had no idea and i was so excited because more and more people from the city who were artists were reaching out and i was mm -hmm. like i had no idea that there were other artists people trying to make music in vancouver and yeah. I thought that was like really beautiful because that's how my team found me like through mm -hmm. the internet, but we're all from like the same city, which yeah, is Yeah, no, it's pretty mm -hmm. crazy to kind of like, even myself, like I'm not from Vancouver, but just I've covered a lot of the Vancouver artists and it does really feel like it's a very small community, even though it is like a very talented community. It's just, it's, it's mm -hmm. so deep and there's so many different types of artists, but um when you were so what year was this when like consinity came out I, it was like the end of 2018 end of 2018 okay so then from after that people you said kind of you you received loved on the internet prior and then then the city seemed to turn around is that yeah. fair to say and so yeah. as you began to start reaching out to these uh people within vancouver um what or like who were the a few people that kind of like saw something in you early on Cause I got bounce <laughs> yeah. he, he was the one who like reached out to me and then like everybody at the studio too so that was like don't doze like Kyle all of them and all mm -hmm. their friends were like just like bumping that whole project like back to back at the studio and then I guess like KGB was one of the first people to reach out and was like I love what you're doing like let's work and then yeah. I didn't work with him till like 2019. And then like the first time I like came to the studio, like we just made a song without like knowing anything about each other. And it was just like great because that's where everything started for me. I, I do believe that like KGB is the reason why like I am so much of like the artist that I am today because yeah. he took it like my first real session was with him. I, I never had anybody make a beat for me except for him. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that yeah. actually is pretty wild. That, yeah. like, that was the first. And I mean, like, it sets the bar pretty, pretty high. Yeah. One thing I one thing I am curious about is like that, that like, artist and producer, like kind of duo, like, it seems like in more recent, more recently, I think it's just becoming a trend for like an artist to kind of latch themselves onto like one producer and like exclusively work with them on most of their music. Do you think that that approach is kind of more beneficial than you I guess going to a bunch of like a handful of producers and working with them I think that really depends on the talent level of the producer the reason why it works with KGB is because he's so versatile 
Like mm-hmm. he can make, you can come up with any idea. He can make whatever you want because he just has like that ear and he knows where to yeah. place things with certain instruments. And it's like, it, he's going to make it work no matter what in like the mm-hmm. best way possible. And it's, I think it has to do with like how open of a person he is. And I'm very open too. And I think that we, at the end of the day, like our sessions are just based off of like experimentation. So I guess that method would really only work depending on like what kind of music you want to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, like it, if you just kind of, in a, in a way you got very lucky in, in the sense that it was KGB it was your first. I, so it's like, yeah. it, I mean, that, that is honestly crazy. So kind of just w- we'll walk through your career kind of chronologically a bit. So after you released Consinity, you started releasing like a handful of singles throughout um, 2018, right? And that was probably the year that you decided I'm going to pursue music full time. But one yeah. thing that really fascinates me about artists is just like their creative process and how it kind of formulates over the, the course of their eyes. And so mm-hmm. for you, like, what do you think the biggest challenge like initially was in like formulating this creative process? Um, the biggest challenge for me, like in the beginning was just understanding like how I should make music. I think never having like a proper um, studio session was like the biggest obstacle for that. Um, mm-hmm. It was like once I started getting in the studio with KGB, I was able to experiment with more melodies and stuff like that and even like because he engineers as well he has a really good grasp on what kind of um um, effects to use as well on your voice Mm -hmm. and that just opens up the box even more as to like what you want to do and it also helps my writing kind of alluded to you growing up like always singing were you taught like a by like um, somebody like did you receive any formal training or was it something that you just kind of grew up singing around the house um i did receive uh, formal training for it um one of my teachers very early on from like the ages of 10 to oh i say 10 to 12 was mm-hmm. like an opera teacher so that's oh, wow. like I learned a very theoretical approach to the voice and how to sing healthy and making sure that we're really preserving our vocals. And the biggest lesson that I kind of learned from her was to always hone in on your own sound, to take your vocals and work with them instead of trying to imitate what's there, but mm-hmm. using like the techniques that she was teaching me to kind of build that in a healthy way. And then from ages 13 to 16, I worked with um, another um, teacher who was based out of Gastown. Mm-hmm. And she had like, she was uh, art, an artist before she tried to come up out of Vancouver. And she ended up working with some like really cool people. So like Destiny's Child and stuff like that. So she oh, was wow. able to bring in a lot of good experiences on like how to perform well how to like be able to do like coming from like an opera kind of teacher to this now somebody who was very immersed into like like the hip hop scene and like R&B and taking those techniques and applying it to something that resonated with me a bit more was stronger yeah, yeah. i like that i enjoyed it a lot <laughs> that's cool that's cool mm-hmm. um yeah no i really don't know many people mm-hmm. that have gone and actually received vocal training i know people like they get piano lessons but 
to know that, like, I guess, because was you, was it your parents that put you in this or was it something that you asked for? It was pretty mutual. I mean, they were like, you're good at it. So like, do you want this to be something that you do all the time? And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. let's, let's, let's just do it. And my mom was always so on top of it with like finding really, really good teachers. And I had that. And I think that all everything that I learned, I don't think any of it like went to waste. Yeah, yeah. no, I like, I mean, like just kind of examining your life from like, just that, like, it's, it's not, it's no surprise really that you're, you are an artist today because it was almost as if like everything in your life kind of was leading up to where you are now. Right. I kind of wanted to get into your performing because I guess obviously you had the uh, traditional formal training, but in terms of performing in front of an audience, like, was this a new aspect for you or was this something that you had experience prior? Um, so like the second vocal teacher that I have, she really put an emphasis on live acts. So she would, um, try to get me anywhere so that it could be like busking in like downtown or something she would like just put up like events in like a mall and she would just be like sing here so I guess it wasn't like really unfamiliar when I became like an artist but right. in a way it was because I was always doing covers of other people and it felt different I didn't feel as fun as when I now do like my own songs because I just feel how I have so much more of a connection with them. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, w- would it be because like, you, yeah, probably because like you would have people comparing your voice to the, the cover artist's voice. Yeah. Is that- there is that component to it. I think that was like a huge thing, but that's really just based on the audience and like what they prefer. I think mm-hmm. from like the standpoint of what I liked, I just, I don't get that much time with my music. I feel like, cause I don't give it after I've already made the song until it mm-hmm. comes out or like when I get a chance to do it live, it's like, I get to recreate a song that I already did. You know, I can do it again, exactly the way that it was done in the recording, or I can change it up and do it differently. And I feel like when people are there to listen to you and listen to the music that you've written, it's just way more impactful. And I feel like I, I just take away so much inspiration from like moments like that. Mm-hmm. And then, so mm-hmm. one of one of like your first performances I saw was at um uh, Fortune Sound Club. It was like Low Key Mondays event in May 2018, I believe. It was. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it I probably never went to that one. You never. Okay. I was supposed to. I was supposed to, but I never ended up going for some because I was too young. They asked oh, for okay. ID. That was the problem. They were like, "How old are you?" And I think it was like. 17 or 18 at the time and they're like yeah the guy who's running the club today is like giving us a hard time so i just didn't end up coming i think oh yeah. okay so do you remember like the first time like you had music and you 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 performed under under i guess your own name or reve yeah um when i when like when i started making my own music yeah like it, once you had yeah. like your own recordings um i think it like my creative directors don't doze. They had an art gallery show in Vancouver. And that mm-hmm. was the first time that I performed my own music. And, and so, that well, was just really fun because it was like, everybody's here to see like their art, but then they're also like, show- this is like the first time we're kind of like showcasing ourselves as a team and I get to do my music. Yeah. It was cool. Mm-hmm, that is sick. And then I saw you mm-hmm. actually did the um, same with don't doze 
they you guys just did a live performance on uh youtube yeah we decided to do that after die one day i think i was just like craving a live performance so we're like let's just set it up ourselves and like they did a crazy job setting up the whole setup and then like kgb and i really took some time to make version it could be a bit more cozy in a way mm -hmm. and i felt like that was like a really great way to end off die one day because that whole album i feel like it was very raw and it was like you guys are going to see like a different um side of my voice and it was it was really fun to say the least yeah mm -hmm. definitely so i guess well, let's just get into die one day um that was your debut ep was it an ep or was it a, an album it was an ep okay and so debut yeah. ep came out uh it was august of 2020 and so what can you tell us about the project and maybe like give us some insight on like the concept behind it mm -hmm. at first there wasn't like much of a concept but um there wasn't really a concept at all. I had just done the song Die One Day mm -hmm. and it was really a profound moment in my artistry and we felt like we had to drop it because the way that song was made and like even though it wasn't like a production of his, like having him in the room with me during that time was just like so important because I was able to really freestyle most of the song and do it in one take. So it's like the whole song is about you know, not caring what people think of you, doing everything that you want to because that's just the, like, the way you should do it. And I mm -hmm. felt like this is such a great song and I just did everything like this song, everything that I'm saying in the song, like I just did it when recording it. I think it would make sense to kind of build an EP around it. So then it was, there's Daydreams on there, Cold Heart and Say and Die One Day and Summer's End with Renz Montclair. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that it was just like a really way to wrap everything together and the whole mm -hmm. idea. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. it, definitely. So from the way I interpreted it, actually, it was like, it was kind of like a story arc of like, kind of begins with like cold hearted and it was feel, felt like it was almost like you were heartbroken in some sense. And then as the EP kind of progressed, like you come to, um, summer's end and um you end on uh what is it it was uh what was the last song sorry die one day yeah yeah die we one end day. with die one day yeah 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 and then so it felt it felt like yeah. that that was like it kind of gave closure to um to how you were feeling in that in that project but um, is that mm. at any at any way like accurate at all, or is am I just completely off the base? Mm. I never. I really find it interesting that you interpreted it that way, and like even with like that whole project, I don't even know if I gave it time to like have like this full concept behind it. I think it was really just me honing on a die one day. Like I'm gonna just drop this because these songs. I don't know if they connect, but they mean a lot to me in different ways. And mm -hmm. I was just like, these, I think it really just came down to like, these sound good together. Yeah. yeah and definitely. this is what's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah it can yeah, be so anything I, you want it to be. But for it me, it was really me. just like focusing on Die One Day. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
I mean, I yeah, I could tell I was probably just way overanalyzed yeah. it and it's just not that deep, but I mean <laughs> I guess whatever. But one of my favorite songs That's actually was Summer's That's what projects are for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So but one of my favorite songs on that project was Summer's End featuring Resmon Claire. And so mm-hmm. him being a part of the onesie collective, I really think that he's like very talented but i'm curious like how did you guys meet and what was like recording that song together like Mm, we actually didn't meet and we didn't make the song together (laughs) at all yeah so it's it's crazy so we were like in a session and then like ricky from don't doze was there too and he he heard the beat and he was just going kind of like singing like a melody and i was like that's sick he was going like marijuana wanna and i was like that's kind of that's kind of like a dope melody and then I, I started like going like I don't really wanna wanna and then we just kind of like filled up the whole song and then KGB afterwards was like we should send this off to Renz and see if like he wants a verse on it and then he he really fucked with it like I don't even think like we had sent him a song like with an open verse like he just took like the ending loop and was like I want to be on this song and he just recorded it and sent it back like within a day and we were like this is so dope because he's got like the song is very like 90s reminiscent and that's exactly what his mm-hmm. voice and I feel like his his aesthetic is so it just like felt really light and airy and very nostalgic in a way mm-hmm. no for sure it's crazy though because we didn't sure. even meet Mm-hmm. yeah no I like see that's the funny thing like just me being the listener like I just picture like you guys just having the the best old time in the studio like really putting this whole yeah. thing together but like I, I don't know I just think in the reality of things like most things in the music industry that's kind of how it works yeah yeah and I think it I I, I don't know yeah why we didn't meet up maybe it was because like COVID or something but I think originally Mm -hmm. it was just easier to send off a verse yeah yeah so when COVID did start to hit because you kind of you kind of like were beginning to like show promise like right at the start of everything so once everything started to shut down did you have like a plan of like how you were going to navigate this or like how you were going to adapt your overall strategy yeah, I think it, I think anything like that would shock anyone. It doesn't matter like what you do and you would have to adapt regardless. But I think mm-hmm. like we're really lucky that we have a, like my team and I have like a studio space that's safe enough like during COVID to go and work. So mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like I was that drastically affected. I think the only part of it that I really had to adapt to was like to be able to do like live shows as often Mm -hmm. but even then we were able to kind of just build something on our own with like the die one day set um i think another thing is like with covid um we also can't like tour yeah that was something like that i really wanted to start planning and it's like i don't know how we're going to go about that but other than that i feel like with the internet like we don't actually have to be anywhere there's so many ways to go it and still be able to like meet all your goals that are on like a part of your plan it's just like a matter of how much music you have and how you want to release it mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and so for you like do you find it difficult to kind of draw inspiration like when you're not necessarily doing as much or or just kind of like your inspiration just come from your past um 
it's honestly so hard to tell because it could be like if it's like a very significant moment that happened in the present I will definitely pull from it but if there's like nothing going on in my present moment I'll start to like analyze my thoughts uh, sometimes I'll write a song as if I'm writing it for another artist that really helps my inspiration mm-hmm. and then yeah if I have to I will pull from the past yeah yeah because like mm-hmm. I would imagine like just in the the kind of mu- the music you make it's it's very like raw like it's filled with raw emotion and like you can really feel that but so like when you're in this like studio kind of performing this and like you have to go to these kind of dark places or like put yourself in a weird headspace like is that almost like difficult to recreate or is it like uh, I don't know I'm trying to like I'm trying to come up with a way to kind of frame this like question. does it bring up stuff like personally sometimes yeah like if you're if yeah. like, like it's like, like if you're singing about like a past ex or something and you kind of have to rethink about everything is that difficult to do to put yourself back into it to make it sound authentic mm, i think for maybe a moment it- mm-hmm can but then you realize like having the music there and having like a beat started really makes like this buffer almost so it's like Mm. like you're kind of turning something so dark into something beautiful and I think that really helps me stay very calm when going back and digging into dark stuff because it's like you know it already happened and this is going to be just like one more reason for me to grow with it instead of kind of resenting it and having it in the past like dealing with with it again yeah yeah it just kind of makes you stronger for sure no i Mm -hmm. i that that makes a lot of sense because i mean i would imagine it's it's definitely like a probably therapeutic in a sense to kind of be able to kind of get work through your emotions through something that ends up being so beautiful so it's like Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's very very cool um yeah so kind of now more presently or actually sorry i wanted to touch on your your ep you released another ep in 2020 titled it was a two-track ep titled soul and that to me like after die one day it was the closure and then soul was kind of the re-emergence of reve and so yeah what was that was that kind of the goal of that project or what where were you at when you made that um the goal is always to just drop a bunch of music and hope that a bunch of people fuck with it i think that's always the goal it's like i'm i'm always making music so it's just like a matter of like um putting it out and that's like kind of the point that we were i was at it's like Mm. i need to put these two tracks out because they're good and i don't feel like waiting almost and i I feel like those songs really they're so different from each other but they fit really well and i was just really I was excited to, to drop See You Later because it's so different than what um, KGB and I have done recently. And I felt like such a great way to end the year off. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just a role, like it's something like they've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was definitely was like a different take. And because that song was a bit, it was, it was different in the sense that it was, it was more... I don't know what's the word. I, I'm I'm really not familiar with musical terms, but 
Yeah, I just feel like um, it was very descriptive in the way that I was telling the story. I mean, yeah. if there's any song that I've told a story in, I think it's definitely that one. Um, there's like a perfect like beginning, middle and end. Um, there's just the way that we played with my voice. We kind of pitched it up in See You Later. Mm -hmm. And I think that just helped me kind of hit a new register almost within my, in my new songs yeah. and explore a different context to write in because I feel like mm -hmm. that's very different than what I usually write about. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then pairing soul with it was kind of like paying homage to solo because of the drum pattern in it. And I think that it was just a nice way to bring that back. It was really refreshing. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Um, another thing I wanted to kind of talk about was you talked about, I think in past interviews of like your desire to put, put on for the city. And like, you seem like the type of person that obviously music is like at the forefront of what you're trying to do. And it, it, it seems like you have, like, you definitely have the fans in mind of like, if I'm going to make something and it's good and I think it's good, it's like, why are we holding it? Let's just get it out to the yeah. people. And so like as you start seeing like artists around you like within Vancouver kind of see success like has you, have you found it it's it's kind of creating a better sense of community within that industry I think so I honestly have never had a terrible experience within the industry I feel like everybody's always shown love and been really supportive of each other and now it's like okay, yeah, people are being sh shown like all this attention from around the world, but that also means more resources. And I think the community is becoming stronger because everybody's open enough and willing to share these resources with each other so we can mm -hmm. all grow. I think that's like the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what do you think has changed since like you started? Because when you start, when you, when it started, you said that it was kind of difficult to like, not a lot of people were showing love to your music initially and it was kind of difficult to network network but so what what has yeah. changed since i think it was just me as an artist making music that i wanted to make and not to not make music that i thought people wanted to hear i think that was mm -hmm. the biggest thing making sure that it was authentic and it was coming from a place of i want this to come out and i don't mm -hmm. feel bad about it i don't feel like i'm second guessing myself when i'm putting this out and i think it comes down to confidence and knowing mm -hmm. like what you want to do as an artist. And I think that I just kind of want to make good shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. No, mm -hmm. I, I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And just the fact that authenticity is, it's kind of everything in, in this age of like social media. Like mm -hmm. I feel like it's so difficult if you're an artist and you're trying to perceive, be perceived as somebody that you're not. I feel like it's so easy for anybody to like kind of see through that. And, but like, it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense that like, if you do put yourself out all out there and you mm -hmm. do receive hate, it's like, fuck, people really hate me. And it's like, so yeah. like, have, have you kind of, how have you kind of dealt with that? <sighs> I don't know. It was just, it's a matter of how much you believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you believe in yourself enough, I've, I'm sure we've all heard it, like anything can happen and like the possibilities are endless. And you, if you continue to do what you do and believe in it, you'll find like your tribe of people who do support you. There are people out there who 
will support you for what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a matter of being patient. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, I, I would say that for sure, having a team is a part of that is a huge mm-hmm. part of that because once you kind of have people that are believing you, then, then it doesn't, does then it's not just about you, I guess. It's just about, yeah. it's about the collective. So I definitely, yeah, agree. like we got this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if we all don't know what we're doing, like at least we're all not knowing what we're doing together. You know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's probably, it's probably yeah. easier to just not feel so self-absorbed being like, I'm the best. I'm the best. It's more like we're the best. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely that element. And just, uh-huh. it's a lot, like, if you're going to be an artist and do it, like, everything on your own, it's just, like, a lot, too. And then, like, mm-hmm. if you're dealing with, like, the pressures of social media and, like, say your shit's not really being picked up yet, that's just, like, a lot to deal with. And, like, yeah. having those that support system there, you guys can all kind of bounce off, like, how, how you're feeling. Like, you can just kind of, like, share that and just, like, build a plan together. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. If that doesn't work, we're going to do this now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. And so do you have plans in the future? Like if a major label were to approach you, would you consider it or, or are you comfortable going this independent route and just working with your team? I think that's a really good question. And it depends on what kind of deal that you're offered and like kind of where you are as like mm-hmm. an independent artist. Um, you obviously don't want to probably sign something that has you locked in even if it's just like an exchange for like exposure like it'll be like at least I'll be famous I don't think I would want to do something like that because Mm. my goal is to just make music almost every day and if that freedom gets taken away I don't think any deal is going to be signed yeah (laughs) definitely and like yeah I feel like for you is especially like obviously music is the number one and if somebody tries to kind of control that, I feel like that's mm-hmm. not really something you, you would be a fan of. Yeah. It wouldn't really work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, another uh, kind of just picking, we're just going all over the place, but yeah. Uh, no. um, another thing I, I listened to you talk about on a, another podcast, but uh, you talked about pursuing music journalism. I don't know if that's like, mm-hmm. Like you talked about, uh, so that was some 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 sort of interest of yours. So I was just like mm-hmm. curious about like what your thoughts are on like the current state of the Vancouver music scene, and like maybe give us some some artists that you're a fan of. Mm. Um, I think the scene is like it's great. I love it. I think that there is so much music here that it yeah like it hasn't blown up yet, but I think that. Vancouver in a way is the future everybody's always trying to figure out like what's the sound of Vancouver and I feel like we shouldn't be wasting time trying to figure out the sound of Vancouver because I think it's like whatever you want it to be Mm -hmm. like you look at different collectives and like different artists and it's like their sounds are so different from each other like I don't know anybody here who's trying to imitate like what another artist is trying to do it's like I want to do exactly what they're doing and I think that's why I have so much appreciation for this city mm-hmm. and like I don't feel the need to go move to Toronto yeah. to be an artist you know I feel like I can do it from here and I think yeah I'm just really excited for it to to know where it's gonna go and I think it could be the city that has everybody kind of like blow up because everybody's that good yeah, yeah. 
No, I definitely, mm-hmm. I've, I've said it so many times on this podcast, but it will just take one artist to like be able to like blow it up for everybody else. And it is mm-hmm. crazy to think that no longer is it our people, our artists, like being like, I need to go to Toronto. To, I need to go to LA to make it. I need to go to New York to make it. It's like by having that sense of community within Vancouver, it's, it's kind of galvanized everybody to actually believe that they can make it in that in within Vancouver and it's kind of amazing to see that in a sense it's kind of the silver lining of this whole COVID thing because a lot of these artists are starting to realize that like you don't need a label to be able to reach the world it's like you have we the got internet. the internet yeah. I mean we got the internet and I don't think I wouldn't have understood that if it wasn't for my very first experience of putting out music you know like mm-hmm. I thought Vancouver didn't have a scene and I lived like within the city and it was like people from my own city are reaching out over internet to come meet in a place that like a location that I probably go to like all the time and that's crazy and it's like you don't need to go to you don't always have to like go somewhere crazy or know like the craziest person to be something it's like you can do it yourself and it's just a matter of how much you utilize those resources Mm -hmm. definitely definitely um so as you kind of because right now like you say you're making a lot of music. So are you kind of, would you say you're in the experimental phase of, of kind of your art right now, or have you kind of honed in on like an idea of what you want to sound like? And you're just kind of running with that right now. I think I have a really good grasp of what kind of music that I do want to make. And I'm just going to keep running with it and kind of follow where it takes me instead of me trying to be like, no music, like we're going to go in this direction. Cause I feel like that kind of really caps off of my create creativity when I'm in the studio. Mm -hmm. If I'm trying to like focus on like, this is my sound or like, this is a little bit different than what we did last time. I, I just kind of let it come whatever way it's going to. Yeah. And that's almost the more creative approach when you, when you you think about it, because for me, like the listener, like I'm obviously just kind of being like, Oh, this person, like they, they have this sound and you can like, as a fan, like you're, you're constantly putting labels on people to just kind of put them in boxes. And so when artists kind of break out of that shell that you put them in, it can kind of piss a lot of fans off. So when you, Mm -hmm. Like, because obviously, like, your songs have varied quite differently over the course of this last two years. But have you ever faced any like blowback from your fans of being like, I don't like this new, this new version of Reve? No. no. Um, everybody's always been like, well, we really love this. I think that everybody's kind of like, okay, when is this experimental phase going to end? But mm. I don't know why everybody's so concerned about when it's going to end if you guys are liking the music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why everybody's so concerned. I mean, at the end of the day, I think my voice will always have a very soulful um, kind of tone that I'll carry out mm. through everything I'm going to do. And as for genres, I, I just try not to focus on it too much. And I think that the industry is changing with that as well. Um, like, for example, when I first got playlisted for Soul. Um, Spotify put that song on an R&B playlist, but yeah. that playlist ended up going through some changes and now it's called Mood Ring. And like just seeing that happen, like that's like everything that I kind of base my artistry on is like not being confined, not being in boxes and to have like 
that happened, it was like, whoa, this is like a very breakthrough moment for me. Like I just got put on this playlist that just went through this whole change to be more diverse, to be able to allow people who are on the cusp of, of like indie, but also R&B being this um, playlist with also like so many other types of music. I just thought it was really cool to see how that worked. Yeah, def- music is definitely out. music is definitely changing in that sense to where genres are just becoming borderless it's just every it's just kind of just you're just taking it for what it is and i feel like it's taking a little while for fans to kind of catch up to that this this change but yeah i think in the long run i feel like music is going to be better for it because people at the end of the day like you just got to understand like music evolves over time like that's all it does and so yeah yeah, I and like looking at the biggest artists ever, like Drake is as big as he is because I don't think he honed in on one sound. He did what he wanted to, you know. Yeah. Like there's always like this new era of Drake, and everybody loves it every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's like every everybody can do that if they want to. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 almost as an artist, I feel like that's that's the that should be the goal because that feels like that's ultimate freedom ultimate creative freedom yeah it's like drake can just go fly to london and be like i just want to i want to get into this grime stuff and does a whole like grime album and collaborates with all the best grime artists and it's just yeah stuff like that it's just it really makes you appreciate the artist that he is and you Mm -hmm. know at the same time that he's being authentic to who he is and so it's like it's a win-win either way and i think i definitely agree with you in the sense that like that's where i think music is headed yeah i think so too and i just think it makes a lot more sense to go that way because as an artist i don't know like who would want to be confined especially with things like social media there's so many other like expectations you gotta live up to it's like your music could should kind of be like the last thing that people are telling you on like how you should do it yeah Mm -hmm. i mean no well to kind of play devil's advocate like business cap on like you're a brand Reve. we have mm-hmm. to brand you like this and this is like the markets this market says that they'll like if you wear this and this and it's like it's all just so stupid and it's like it kind of negates the fact that it's even art yeah yeah you're so yeah. right about that mm-hmm. so yeah no i definitely i i like i i'm a fan of what you're doing and i'm 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 excited to see where music is headed, especially in Vancouver, because like we have so many, so many artists coming out of, out of the city and it's, it's going to, I think for me, like, I think it's, it's going to, it's as soon as like they say live performances are, are a go, that's when I think the, the floodgates will open and you'll, you're, you're going to start hearing. Yeah, I think so too. I feel like the, like everybody a lot of people in vancouver are waiting for the world to open up so it's not like they miss an opportunity maybe mm-hmm. yeah one thing too is like you actually manage you you still manage to grow like significantly while still like in like pandemic era like yeah how what do you think was the key to that for you mm-hmm. i think it was uh consistency the amount that you're releasing not trying not to have so many gaps in between your previous release and the next one i think we did about 10 songs in total last year which was great for me because i went from nothing to like 10 and it was like 
now next year we have like this great plan of like what works for us and what doesn't. So it's just like a matter of refining and like continuing to build, but making sure that there's never like too big of a gap between Mm -hmm. like what you released before, because at the end of the day, like algorithms run so much of what we do. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to double check to see if I covered anything. Was there anything else that like you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? No, I think that I think we talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thanks again, Reve, honestly, for yeah, thank you for, for joining having me today. Me. Yeah. Um, I guess like as we wrap things up, uh, is there anywhere like tell the people where they can find you and what you have in the works for 2021? Yeah. So you guys can find me on Instagram at always and then on Spotify and wherever you listen to music, you can get that. But if you go to my Instagram, all my links are there. And then you can just kind of venture out your own way. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Reve. I had a great time talking to her. We had some technical difficulties throughout, but I mean, that's expected with these Zoom interviews. Nonetheless, I think we learned a lot about her background and how she's been working towards her dream of being an artist for pretty much her whole life. And since becoming a full-time artist, she's done nothing but work on her craft and get better and better each day. To me, having a producer like Coltar Got Bounce, who is widely respected within the Vancouver music scene, Give her a cosign so early on in her career just tells me that he saw something special in her. So to see how that's, how this relationship has transformed the trajectory of Reve's career is amazing to see. Our discussion about the current state of music and how genres are becoming meaningless was very interesting to me. Because as fans, we love to box artists into specific genres so that we can have some expectations. But for artists like Reve, like she, she's motivated by the music and what makes her feel some type of way regardless of the genre which is why i think reve has such a unique sound so as backwards as the artist's perspective may seem to fans this is actually the only way artists in today's industry should be creating so thank you reve for coming on you can find her music on all platforms under reve that's r-e-v-e And that's all I got for you guys this week. So thanks again for tuning in. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music and Spotify and follow the Instagram at youth.ascending. My name is Chris Carui and you just listened to episode 11 of the Youth Ascending podcast. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 